the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hour two of the Stephan Tubbs Show with Randy Corcoran, your pumped-up purveyor of principled, passionate patriotism from Saturday mornings. I'll be back here 9 to noon. Aaron Lapidus will be filling in on Monday. Stefan is back in the saddle on Tuesday. We've got callers on the line, 303-696-1971, 696-1971. We'll take your calls all afternoon long. Text messages are pouring in. Um, I wasn't getting them before. I had to refresh the page, but uh, now it's bing, 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 bing. So thank you for that. The 710 Can US app is just a wonderful way to connect with us, especially when phone lines are full. Um, we had thought we were going to be talking to our next guest in the first hour, and then I'd screwed up the timing. So instead, we got uh, Steve Dace on to talk about the amazing book. I, I can tell you that it's amazing just by knowing how this mind works and having read his prior books. Rules for Patriots, How Conservatives Can Win Again, and the uh, latest on Anthony Fauci, The Faucian Bargain. So I went ahead and sent in for the uh, the first chapter free, and uh, I'll get a chance to read that tonight, and maybe we can share a little bit more about this new book with you tomorrow on Wake Up with Randy Corcoran. It's called Rise of the Fourth Reich, Confronting COVID Fascism with a New Nuremberg Trial, So This Never Happens Again. People are waking up. Don't let the lies of the corrupt, coordinated, Democrat-controlled media machine keep you thinking that you are in the minority if you see what's really going on in our elections, in our politics, in our media. You're right. Keep fighting. With God on our side, we cannot lose. So I talked about uh, in the first hour my role on the Republican National Committee. I love it. When I first uh, was asked to run for that, I just I had to look it up to kind of figure out what it would do. And then I wondered, well, why would I do that? But the person who asked me to run uh, was someone I respected. He had a good reason for asking. So I did it and won. And man, oh, man, am I glad that I did because I have met some true patriots at many speaking engagements around the state. I've had to really push back on people who say, you know, Ronald McDaniel this and the RNC that. And, you know, nobody's perfect. There are a lot of divergent views. But I got there, and I'm here to tell you, from my perspective, in my second year, it is an America-first RNC, and we are driving it that direction every single day. And one of the great friends that I got to meet, we have gone fishing together, and we have uh, signed off on resolutions together, and and fought some establishment pushback together in the RNC. He's the chairman of the Wyoming Republican Party. And man, oh man, he truly was sweating a bit as we got into this primary last Tuesday with Liz Cheney spending, you know, raising $15 million, spending 1.5 of it to get Democrats and unaffiliateds to cross over and try and hang on to her congressional seat. You know what happened. It was two to one. And uh, man, oh, man, so really excited to talk to Frank Ethorn. Frank, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Randy. What an honor to be on your show and hopefully get to talk and hear from your people. Yeah, I'll tell you, it is, um, um, you know, I, you and I were texting back and forth, and I tried to get you on a couple of Saturdays and 
you know, you're out there working in the oil fields and uh, just so much going on, especially running up to the primary election last Tuesday in Wyoming. But uh, you you had concerns because of the amount of money, the amount of outside money that was pouring into Wyoming in support of Liz Cheney. Absolutely. Uh, I think those concerns are legitimate, and uh, they were pouring into the office. Uh, we, we don't trust our county clerk. We don't trust any of the electronic devices involved in voting in Wyoming. Uh, we're seeing the money being spent. We're, we don't know. We don't have clarity on the crossover numbers. And I think each one of those concerns were legitimate. Our fellow committee man, Dave Bossy, reported the other day, uh, saw him on some TV program, I forget, but uh, he said that Liz raised $15 million but only spent one point five in her effort to hang on to her congressional seat. Are those numbers accurate? Have you seen them? Uh, well, I need to verify on the FTC website, but I, I have no reason to doubt those. Uh, truly, as as reported, one of the most expensive congressional races in history, especially, especially in Wyoming. We're not used to those kind of high-dollar contests here. Well, yeah, you're the, the lowest population state in the nation, aren't you? I believe so. Yeah. I believe we still hold that record. <laughs> Which ain't a bad thing, I'll tell you. If I'm riding a motorcycle through there, I, I love the open spaces. But um, uh, to see that kind of money pour in, it just shows the desperation. And Liz Cheney just showed her true colors because she, you know, you and I were very happy to uh, to vote on the unanimous resolution from the RNC that censured Liz Cheney. Your own Republican Party in Wyoming really sort of disavowed yourselves from any kind of an attachment with Liz Cheney. But this was just such a perfect example of someone who was more concerned about her own power, keeping her own position of authority, maintaining, you know, the cult of Liz Cheney than she was about what her actual constituents believed and what they wanted her to do. In fact, she hardly ever spent any time in Wyoming. Is that true? By by all accounts, that that's uh, that's our knowledge. Very little time in Wyoming, and more and more people began to scrutinize where she really is from. And I think they've come to the conclusion that it is Virginia. That's her home base, where she spent the majority of her time, the majority of her life. And I want to say also, stressing that this this percentage outcome, this uh, 65 to 29, 65 to 31 percentage uh, vote uh, for for Harriet Hageman over Liz Cheney is a continuation. It's a consistent of what we've been hearing for nearly two years, ever since the impeachment vote for President Trump took place. uh, There's been an outpouring coming into the party from all over the country and sometimes across the big sea, the big oceans, uh, to just expressing their disapproval of her actions and that uh, she is not accurately representing who we are as Wyomingites and Americans. And I, I believe that the voters in Wyoming uh, stood up and were consistent and sent that message clearly on Tuesday. Sorry, Frank, I, someone was talking in my ear, but <laughs> sorry to just leave you hanging there. So you, we both know Harriet Hageman because um, she was also a fellow Republican National Committee person um, from Wyoming and um, just love talking to her, love listening to her. She's an attorney, very accomplished, 
um, very pro-life, very conservative, all the things that the Republican Party and its platform says that we stand for. Um, so, And obviously it's an easy win now to, uh, to become the lone congressional representative from Wyoming. Uh, has she talked at all about what her priorities are going to be, and, and is she sort of able to take a bit of a break now that she's knocked off the big dog Liz Cheney? <laughs> well, she mentioned the priorities, uh, job number one, uh, once he once she is sworn in, and it, it is uh, consistent with the message she gave during the campaign trail, and that is uh, energy independence. She uh, number one, I would say the, the message that uh, resonates most with people is that I, Harry Hagman, will represent you. And uh, that's that's what the people are clamoring for. They 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 want to entrust power with elected people that will speak for them on behalf of them, and not according to their own agenda. We're seeing in other states around the country that those who are standing up and fighting and pounding on all of the things that are afflicting our country right now, the open border, the the newly increased taxes, the ineptitude of the of the zombie in chief Joe Biden, uh, the the weakening of our military, the incredible rise in prices, gas, inflation, all of it, everything that uh, every single day people are having to deal with, just did extremely well in these primaries. Carrie Lake in Arizona uh, was down by by ten points, they said, and she never walked away from her message on stolen elections and the open, wide open southern border and um, her support of the policies of Donald Trump. I, I live in a state here in Colorado where, you know, we're told that it's time to, you know, we need to walk that fine line and we have to be, you know, distance ourselves from the, the former president as much as possible. Absolutely don't talk about elections because supposedly, theoretically, here in Colorado, we're the gold standard. And I just don't know how Republicans in my state expect to generate any enthusiasm especially among the base, the activists, the people that do the majority of the work, uh, taking those kinds of positions. Well, that's correct. And, and speaking of Harriet Eggman, that is one thing that she consistently stated. We as citizens, we as voters, we have the right to question the integrity of our elections. They are one of the most sacred duties in our republic. And uh, we should never be castigated for asking those questions, asking for transparency. And for those uh, jurisdictions that say there is nothing wrong with our election system, there's nothing to see here, uh, that, that's not satisfying voters. That's not satisfying constituents. They're saying, show me. Show me the evidence. I want to see real transparency and, and give me a reason to have confidence in our elections. We, of course, have a very controversial former Secretary of State candidate, uh, still a candidate because the election has not been certified. Her name is Tina Peters, and she requested a statewide recount of the votes um, in her race from all 64 counties. Uh, she And so the Secretary of State, radical, politicized Democrat, Janet Griswold, um, she required – she came up with a cost for that statewide election – of almost a quarter million dollars. And so Tina Peters went to work. She raised the money. She paid for the recount. And according to a lawsuit that is proceeding through the courts in Denver as we speak, uh, Griswold violated the law when she um, 
failed to do it. I won't get I won't bog down on the process right now. I'm going to do that later. I've got the lawsuit in front of me, most likely if I have the time, but violated the law in the way the recount was conducted and also uh, ignored the fact that according to the government agency CISA, that the Dominion machines that were used here are not up to snuff. They would not pass the federal requirements for voting machines, but went ahead and plowed through anyway. And what we hear in the state of Colorado is, get over it. It's time to move on. Stop arguing about it. You're taking away from our candidates. You're distracting us. And I'm with you. If we get to the, if we're not infringed upon our ability to get at evidence, if we're not stopped, um, you know, through shenanigans and, and violations of the law from getting to the bottom of it, and an election turns out to be accurate and valid, I will be the fastest person to shut up. But every time we turn around, um, we're, there's, a, there's a new impediment thrown in the way. And now we're running up against a clock. 22 months is the requirement for those election records to be held. And that 22 months is almost over. One state, I think it was Georgia, actually got an injunction by a court in their state requiring them to hold on to their election records beyond the 22 months. Those kind of lawsuits should be dropping everywhere. Because the other side, rather than answer the questions, rather than provide the information and then say, hey, you tin hat, tinfoil hat wearers, um, time for you to go home, shut up and go home now, um, they're trying to run out the clock. And we cannot let it happen. The franchise of elections is just too important. These are our elected officials that we entrust to conduct fair and safe and secure elections. Why is the burden of proof not on them to do their job and, and, and just be able to demonstrate that to us who vote and pay their wages, simply put? We're talking with Frank Ethorn, the chairman of the Wyoming State Republican Party. You, even up there in, in quite mostly predominantly red Wyoming, experienced your share of election concerns during this primary election on Tuesday. Is that right? Well, that's correct. There, uh, we had an instance where four counties that used to be half that many last cycle used e-poll books, and the e-poll book uh, system shut down. So we had voters waiting in line. Uh, some of them uh, could not could not stay and vote until the e-poll books were rebooted and successfully back online. And so we lost a number of voters in in those jurisdictions. And it's really disappointing. We're trying to recapture how many voters did we lose. Our poll watchers were trying to keep count. And, uh, you know, the law is as long as you're standing in line, you will get to vote. Uh, but if you leave, that's, that's another story. And we're not used to waiting in lines in Wyoming. We have a low population. Usually people don't have to wait for much of anything. Not in the gas line, not in the grocery line. And certainly it's rare to be standing in line to vote. Uh, but Due to the convenience of electronics in the name of e-poll books, now that very event happened, and it disrupted and caused some irregularities. We're, we're looking into those right now. We have county chairman hustling to get evidence together before the canvassing boards meet. So that's one example of uh, some, some issues that went wrong during our election. Frank Ethorn, chairman of the Republican Party, our neighbor to the north in Wyoming. We're going to run out of time in this segment, but we do have callers on the line, 303-696-1971. Ron in Conifer would like to join the call to talk about Liz Cheney. Ron, good afternoon and welcome. 
Hi. Uh, I first of all, I see if my memory is correct on this. Al Gore's running mate in 2000 was a guy named Joe Lieberman. And what about Lieberman? He wasn't he the vice presidential candidate with with with, with John McCain. No, I mean, who who is who is Gore's running mate? Oh, Gore's. Oh, God, I don't remember. I was, was that barely. Lieberman? I, I was. Remember. He he certainly. There was talk of him running with John McCain in two thousand. You remember that? The Straight Talk Express. It was called. Joe Lieberman was a Democrat. No, I know, and that, and that was oh, so. That oh, was okay. the Straight Talk oh, Express. Oh, oh, well, anyway, I remember this. I'll get to Cheney in a second. Here. So the uh, there was a debate with. Two of these people, Cheney and the vice presidential Democrat nominee, sitting at a table, to, you know, each trying to show how quiet, soft-spoken, and reasonable they were. And the subject came up of the fact that Dick. Oh, first of all, does Dick Cheney have one daughter? Just one daughter? I think that's all I know of. Well, I'm not sure. We lost our guest for a moment, and it uh, looks like Frank is back. So, Frank, the caller is still on the line. Sorry that we dropped you there. Um, but he was asking if Dick Cheney has more than one daughter, or is Liz the only one? I've heard I've heard word of a, a sister to Liz Cheney, uh, and I I just I don't know how to verify that, and haven't cared to do that. Okay. But I, I well, do believe there is a if, sister. If that's true, it might explain what I, you know what I'm asking about. But I I was I just been very surprised lately to keep hearing about Liz Cheney's husband. Because the subject came up that Dick Cheney had a daughter who was a lesbian in that debate in 2000, I believe it was. And so I just wondered if uh, maybe he has two daughters. I don't know. But uh, his, uh, Well, I, I, I don't know. But did you have anything you wanted to say about the, um, the end of the Cheney era in Congress? Well, it's a great thing. I mean, I, mean, I, I <laughs> Dick Cheney is despicable. Liz Cheney is... <laughs> I think they're equally despicable. Glad it happened, and it's just amazing that uh, that she actually. I mean, this is the biggest defeat that uh, an incumbent, that in my knowledge, has ever had. It's extraordinary. Well, Ron, we're going to let you go. Phone lines are on fire here. Uh, Frank, I don't know if you want to stick around. It sounds like people would like to talk a little bit more about Liz, and I'd love to have you on. For the call, if you're interested, but I know you're out there in the oil fields and probably have a lot to do still. Well, I would sure be open to that. If opportunity grants it, uh, may have some interruption and a little bit of noise. We'll try to work through it best we can. But I'm sure interested in any other questions. Very good. All right, we're going to stick you on hold. We'll get these phone calls lined up, and right now it's time for a, a quick break here on the Stephen Tub Show. We'll be right back. Three zero three six nine six nineteen seventy one is the number. I'm Randy Corcoran here. Seven ten KNUS. Abra, Cadabra, 427 here on the Stephen Tubbs Show. Randy Corcoran from Saturday mornings. I'll be back here 9 to noon tomorrow. So anything I don't get off my chest, man, we will be ready for you. 303-696-1971 is the phone number. 303-696-1971. It's 80 degrees in Aurora, 79 in hell, otherwise known as my beautiful home city of Denver, Colorado, which Democrats have driven right smack into the dirt. They don't have too much of that problem at the moment up in our neighbors to the north, Wyoming, because it is a strongly Republican state, 
And the chairman of the Colorado or the Wyoming State Republican Party stays with us, Frank Ethorn. Frank, are you there? Still here. All right. Good. So calls have popped on and popped off, so I don't know exactly what happened with everybody. 303-696-1971 if you want to celebrate the the end of the Cheney era of power in Wyoming and in Congress. Uh, and I've commented, um, I, I predicted, and, and now I will be certainly commenting tomorrow in great length on the demise of not only the Cheneys, but the Clinton dynasty, the Bush dynasty. Donald Trump really did away with all of them. Um, might even throw in there the um, the fourth dynasty of power, which is the uh, – oh, now I've lost – I can't think of the name that I was thinking about. But what do you think about the destruction of the Cheney dynasty once and for all? You know, I, I think uh, Dick Cheney being – homegrown in Casper, Wyoming, uh, for a lot of years, he, he carried a lot of support. And then as vice president, Wyoming was so proud, but it takes a little deeper dive. And, and I, I just uh, encourage everybody to do that with anybody you entrust power with really dig down and see what their, what their politics are about. And that's more important than a name. It's more important than a title. Uh, and I think that people of Wyoming have learned a lesson. Well, I sure hope so. And the McCains are the other ones that I think the era of Donald Trump have really put a fork in. Um, We shall see. John McCain was one of the greatest disappointments of my life when uh, after all the years. And and, listen, I give kudos and credit to anyone who suffered as a POW military service. I know he was a troublemaker and a maverick and all of those things. But his legacy will be as he knew he was dying. As a member of the United States Senate at 2 o'clock in the morning, after promising and campaigning and raising millions and millions of dollars off the longstanding Republican promise to repeal and replace Obamacare because of his disdain for Donald J. Trump, at 2 o'clock in the morning, he walked out as the last vote, the deciding vote on the repeal of Obamacare, with Mitch McConnell watching him with his hands crossed uh, across his chest. And th- and voted thumbs down at the teller who was counting the votes, and that was the end, at least for then, of the Republican effort to repeal the worst legislation up to that time that uh, that Congress had ever passed. And so you've got—I uh, know you only have one Congressperson because of the population of your state, but like every other state, you do have two senators in Wyoming: uh, John Barrasso, the senior senator, and Cynthia—is it Loomis or Lummis? We pronounce it Lummis. I believe it's the correct way. So, are they are they solid Republican platform supporting U.S. senators, or do you have the same, especially with Barrasso, you know, sort of career politician problem that we have so many other places? I think, in many respects, they are seen as mostly conservative. But when uh, when they vote contrary to our timeless principles, the, the party does hear about it. There, there, are, there are folks that are paying attention. There are folks that are tracking their votes, and they understand the impact of those votes. And uh, at raising the debt ceiling is one that we hear about regularly, and there are others. And so it's, it's, um, it's becoming a little more mixed, and I think that is because the era of Trump has awakened people. They're paying more attention. We're seeing less apathy, less ignorance. They're, they're becoming more and more educated. 
and that that's a plus. So even in longtime red state Wyoming, you're seeing an awakening of people understanding that just voting Republican or just electing a Republican is is clearly not enough. They need to be people of principle and power and willing to be outspoken and push back even against their own party uh, to get back to our platform, to get back to our Constitution. Is that what you're seeing there? We we are. That, that's what we're seeing. And, and I, I think the term reliable conservative uh, is, is a good way to help compare and contrast. Are, are you reliably with the Constitution or with the platform, or is it only when people are watching? And, and I think that's the bar that we're hearing more and more about, and it's very consistent across the state. Uh, clearly, you, you must not have any Senate elections this year because that would have been a part of this last primary. So Cheney was the only... Um, marquee federal race on your uh, on your ballot this year is that right that is correct so what's your state look like uh, do you have you know around the country we see in the metropolises denver and boulder um obviously the the big cities in in california and in new york city those two cities alone could account for the difference in the national popular vote in our presidential races do you have a big city problem in Wyoming where uh, Democrats do have control, or are you able to hang on to those areas as well? There are no clear areas in Wyoming where Democrats are in control, with the exception of Laramie, Wyoming, and, and portions of Teton County, which is Jackson. And I think most people know that when they look at the map and they see the blue uh, we are a very red state, yet we are becoming more and more purple all the time. Uh, former committee woman Halverson looked uh, at some studies done, and uh, without a doubt, we, we are under duress. We are under threat of turning uh, more, more purple, more blue with every, with every cycle. We've got a ton of new movers coming in. Many of them are conservative political refugees from other states, Washington, California, Oregon. Uh, Nevada meet them all the time, and they uh, they are here to take a last stand in what they consider is the uh, Save Wyoming, Save America tour, and, and and they're taking part in that. They're joining their county parties, they're supporting the state party. We welcome them, but there are also uh, troublesome areas. Specifically, to answer your question, we've got Casper in that fifty-five to sixty thousand population range. Uh, now, although we, we see a lot of uh, Democrat-type progress there, what we saw in this last legislative election is that uh, there were many that their voting records showed that it was Republican legislators voting with Democrats as upwards somewhere in the range of 65 to 85 percent of the time. Four of those incumbents were replaced by liberty-minded constitution platform supporting candidates and it wasn't close in many of those races they were <laughs> big margins and so that's some of those trouble areas in Wyoming high population areas are waking up uh, Cheyenne is following behind what we're seeing in Casper Frank are you back on a Bluetooth or just in a windy area definitely getting some noise I am I am, I am Okay. I don't know where that's coming from. All right. Well, we're, we're going to be wrapping it up here with you here in just a moment anyway. I know one of the problems that Wyoming is facing that is allowing 
uh, these moderate candidates to sleep to slip into a reliably red state is the same problem we have here in Colorado. You guys have now have an open primary, and that's always sold as a way to get you know more people, the unaffiliateds and others to vote to vote. But when they sold that bill of goods here in Colorado, um, one of the great selling points that they talked about was to get more moderate candidates. It'll force Republicans to come to the middle. It'll force Democrats to come to the middle. And instead, what it's resulted in is radical Democrats, uh, you know, taking on um, strong Republicans, pumping a ton of money in, and then getting unaffiliated and Democrats to cross over and take away what in in past elections, even here in Colorado, would have been reliably red conservative districts. So I I tend to think that uh, you and me and the, the lawyers for the Wyoming Republican Party will be having some conversations now that once we get past these midterms about getting rid of the unconstitutional open primaries in both Colorado and Wyoming. Is that uh, something that may still be on the agenda up there? It's not only on the agenda, Randy. It, it has been the top priority of the Wyoming Republican Party voted by the Central Committee for the last five years. Uh, we're very focused on trying to close our primary. We cannot get enough Republican electeds to vote for that. Um, our issue is very similar as other states are dealing with, and that is we're not, uh, we don't face much of a challenge from Democrats other than the ones that are in our party. And uh, that, that's become very clear to the voters. They're starting to figure it out. We've got uh, a petition effort now to get it on the ballot to close the primary and get on the ballot for the voters to have their say. Well, there are legal ways to attack that as well. We had a unanimous Republican Central Committee vote instructing our party to do it um, for fundraising and, and election law issues. They were hesitant to. So we lost our first round of that battle. But once the midterm is over, uh, it's going to be very, very interesting to see if the leadership of the Republican Party uh, in the state, the executive committee and others, still want to go down that road and help us get rid of the very dangerous and damaging open primary here in the state of Colorado. And if your ballot initiative is not successful, you know, have your lawyer call me again. Um, we'll be glad to be talking about other alternatives when that is done. Um, one more thing. I, I just want you to hear. This is a Democrat, a Democrat Senator Whitehouse talking about the weakest um, leadership that the Democrats have ever put into place, creepy, sleepy Joe Biden and uh, babbling Kamala Harris. Listen to what a Democrat says when asked about uh, having Biden on the ticket again. So if the Globe pollsters called you, how would you answer that question? Do you think he should run again? Uh, I'm going to duck that question, if you don't mind. <laughs> Um, we don't have any <laughs> candidates yet for 2024, and I'm not picking amongst them. And in spite of that, in spite of the cratering lack of popularity of creepy, sleepy Joe and Kamala, the minority leader, the 40-plus year career politician still in charge of the Republican senators in Washington, D.C., when asked, says this. There's a, probably a greater likelihood the House flips than the Senate. Senate races are just different. They're statewide. Uh, candidate quality has a lot to do with the outcome. 
So he's basically conceding that Republicans won't flip the Senate this year. Uh, is that inspirational? Is, is that what gets your activists out of bed early and working late to uh, uh, to fight for Republicans? You guys are in decent shape there, but uh, but you've got people who would work for potential eligible winning candidates in other states. And yet that's what we've got at the top of the Senate for Republicans right now in 2022. I, I mean, Frank, how do we deal with that? It, it is disappointing. It, it's just another example of those that, for whatever reason, have sold us out for uh, their own political interests. And I, I think the American people have grown tired of it. Uh, boy, I do, too. And I, I know Republicans have. I, I always say it this way these days. Mitch, thanks for the United States Supreme Court. Um, really admire the strength that you showed uh, in your moment of power but I don't know if it's your connections to China, the the way that you've enriched yourself in Washington, D.C., or the fact that you've been institutionalized there too long and you're more focused on how Washington works than how we need the country to work. So it is time to get Mitch McConnell out of the way. And um, man, oh, man, I hope we have enough America first victories when the time comes, whether we're in the minority or the majority, to once and for all say goodbye, ditch the Mitch. I'm with you, Randy, both both in your analysis and what needs done. And I, and I know this state is ready to do just that. Well, Frank Ethorn, the chair of the Wyoming Republican Party, you gave us all a lot to get excited about and to enjoy as the vote count came in two to one. Harriet Hageman destroyed the Cheney dynasty, uh, at least there in in Wyoming. It uh, looks like she's running for president. She's raised $15 million, according to David Bossie, our, our co-fellow uh, Republican National Committee person. Um, but you don't have to you don't have Liz Cheney to kick you around anymore in Wyoming. And so thank you for your work. Thank you for your strength. God bless you, sir. We'll be talking soon, I know, and uh, I'll see you at the next RNC meeting. I look forward to continuing to work with you. Uh, Randy, it's great to have neighbors to the south that uh, see our role and the importance of it as you do. Uh, I, I hope you continue to serve. Uh, your, your people deserve your type of leadership. Well, Frank, I, I don't, I've still got two years to go, so I don't have to worry about that just yet, but... Uh, Man, oh, man, I like what I see on the RNC, and I'm really looking forward to the midterms. God bless you, sir. Talk to you soon. Thank you much. Pleasure. All right, 442. We're late on the break, but man, oh, man, they've got the TV on here in the studio, and I just saw that disgusting Jenna Griswold, Wayne Williams, former Secretary of State, Colorado gold standard election ad. We will break that down next. But first, let's check in with Lori Kilton. I'm sorry, Lori. Lori Kilman. Did I do it? Lori. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't read my own writing. Lori Kellner in the 710. I hope she forgives me. Lori Kellner in the 710 Can US Newsroom. We'll be right back. I am not ready to be back from commercial break. Period. No, I'm just kidding. And major announcement. First time it's ever happened, and I can say so because my loyal morning show producer on Saturdays from 9 to noon, Lori Depp, Lori, <laughs> I got your name wrong, Leroy Deppenbaugh was wrong. 
<laughs> and he's not producing my show anymore because he's the full-time producer for the Stuff and Tub show now. But uh, it was Lori Kelman. So I wrote it out big, so I will not bastardize your name again, Lori. My apologies. Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, we're going to spend a few minutes with Priscilla Ron, the vice chair of the Colorado State GOP. We will certainly talk about elections and our candidates and uh, exactly what's going on in Colorado. But my primary reason for having her on is to find out why she, uh, Hispanic, uh, I, I think she's Hispanic. Hell, I don't know. I'm no good at these labels, man. I just like look at people. But she is a Frederick Douglass Republican. And I played at the beginning of the show the minute or minute and a half or so of Rush Limbaugh saying, stop using the label conservative. It's been, it's been trashed by the left. You'll be more effective with people if you get away from the label and instead talk about the ideas. And in the 6 o'clock hour, we're going to bring on just a, a, an amazing man and somebody I've known for a number of years now, gosh, maybe – seven, eight, nine years, uh, K. Carl Smith, the founder of the Frederick Douglass Republicans. So I thought it might be interesting to get a local perspective on why Priscilla refers to her in that way. And we'll do that here in the next hour. But I, I just, I wasn't planning to get to this yet. Not really much time in this segment to do it. And we'll get back to your phone calls too, 303 696 But I've got to get this, at least get this conversation started. Because as I was wrapping up with Frank Ethorn, the chairman of the Wyoming State Republican Party, and we were celebrating the end of the Cheneys and the McCains and the Bushes and the Clintons as a political dynasty, I saw this scroll across on the TV screen. Hi, I'm Democratic Secretary of State Jenna Griswold. And I'm Wayne Williams, a Republican and former Secretary of State. One thing we both know is that Colorado's elections are safe and secure. That's right, Wayne. But voters should be alert to election disinformation. Election disinformation is designed to look real, so always use trusted sources. Together, we can combat election disinformation. To get the facts about election security, visit GoVoteColorado.gov. Let's go vote, Colorado. I have a response. Bullcrap. It is nonsense. And what possible political benefit is there to Republicans in Colorado to have the former Republican Secretary of State standing next to Jenna Griswold and telling us to look at trusted sources? And listen, I like Wayne Williams. I've had meals with Wayne Williams when he was Secretary of State, conversations, uh, utilized the office. He made tremendous improvements to the office of Secretary of State. But this nonsense that Colorado is the gold standard of elections is absolute garbage. Set aside machines for just a minute, and only just a minute. Ballot harvesting. Rampant in Colorado. It's got to be stopped. Democrats, Max, and Republicans are terrible at it. You know, at least if we could just, at least Republicans, train yourselves to do it better while it is still possible. Because right now, Democrats will scoop up ballots in trash cans at apartment complexes. They will flood into nursing homes and other places and get people, some who aren't even competent to vote, get those ballots filled out 
for Democrats. Our signature verification is horrible. Our requirements for identification is horrible. All of those things alone are problematic enough. And say what you will about Tina Peters, and I have a very strong love and affection for her courage and everything that she's doing. Disclaimer, I'm one of her criminal defense attorneys. But after the primary election, she asked for a recount. The Secretary of State said, oh, $250,000 that a candidate has to pay for something the taxpayers paid for the election because she wants to challenge it. And she raised the money. She paid the money. And Jenna Griswold couldn't follow the law according to a lawsuit that has just recently been filed. A very simple statute, CRS 1-10.5-102, that requires that prior to any recount, the canvas board shall choose at random and test voting devices, the Dominion machines in most counties, used in the candidate race, ballot issue, or ballot question. The board shall use the voting devices as it has selected to conduct a comparison of the machine count of the ballots counted on each such voting device for the candidate to the corresponding manual count of the voter-verified paper records. The Canvas Board must review the post-election audit before selecting the equipment for testing under that section, 102 subsection 3. And it goes on from there. Their testing is supposed to be done, and the counts are supposed to be compared to voter-verified paper records, and that was apparently not done in any of the counties. And this lawsuit is going forward. I think there's a, I was talking with the lawyer who brought it today and I didn't, I was unfortunately on the road. I didn't have a pen or paper. I was driving. So there were some things he said that I would have liked to write down, but I, and get to you exactly right, but I did not. But the other thing that this lawsuit has brought in front of a Denver judge who is moving this thing as quickly as the as he can. There are there were 64 counties sued. It's been dropped to 63 because um, San Juan County, I think, did only hand counts. They didn't have machines at all. So they were dropped from the lawsuit. But the other thing, and this is very important here in Gold State Election, Colorado, the Dominion Voting Systems image cast X devices and attached components used in the recount, violate voting system standards and therefore are not certifiable in Colorado in accordance with CRS 1-5-601.5. And the source of that allegation is the National Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA. We will talk more about this next hour after our conversation with Priscilla Ron. Colorado Vice GOP, Randy Corcoran for Stephen Tubbs on 710. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.